you can listen to The Front on your smart speaker every morning. To hear the latest episode, just say, play the news from The Australian. From The Australian, here's what's on The Front. I'm Kristen Amiot. It's Monday, May 8. The government will funnel more than $14 billion into cost of living relief in tomorrow's federal budget. The centrepiece package will deliver immediate relief to households and businesses struggling with skyrocketing costs. And it'll be funded by revenue earned through increases to income tax and soaring commodity prices. The Treasurer has also flagged a handful of tax changes that will add billions of dollars to the public purse. Changes to the petroleum resource rent tax is expected to raise $2.4 billion from gas companies, while a 5% hike on the tobacco excise will bring in more than $3 billion. Also on the budget, Finance Minister Katie Gallagher will reveal almost $18 billion in savings today. About a third of that will come from reprioritisation in defence spending, with the remainder to come from government agency audits. The federal budget will be handed down by the Treasurer on Tuesday night. If you want to work from home, you don't work here. That's the declaration of Australian business leaders who are making moves to bring corporate employees back to offices specially designed to boost productivity. But are workers willing to give up the lifestyle established in the depths of the pandemic? That's in today's episode. Way back in 2020, those who could, employees in the corporate sector mostly, carted computer monitors and desk chairs to their homes to begin what would become one of the biggest ever shake-ups of the way we work. The COVID-19 pandemic saw dining tables turned into co-working spaces and after-work drinks became Zoom happy hours. We all enjoyed the brief moments of levity that came with living our lives online. Mr. Ponton, I believe you have a filter turned on in the video settings. Can you hear me, Judge? I'm here live. That's not, I'm not a cat. I can see that. I think if you... I know it's a shitty apartment. That's why give me this job so I can get a better one. Oh my God, I'm so, so sorry. If you disrupt this meeting, I will have to remove you from it. You can't. It's only the chairman who can remove people from a meeting. You have no authority here, Jackie Weaver. No authority at all. You just kicked him out. Some big companies like Atlassian and Airbnb embraced the change, making their working-from-home arrangement permanent. In the case of the latter, employees were encouraged to live the company's travel ethos and work from anywhere in the world. Australian health insurer NIB sweetened the deal for newly remote workers by paying a $1,200 stipend to help with the unforeseen costs of setting up shop at home. They encouraged employees to work from home four days a week, only attending the office in person for important meetings, training and social events. How times have changed. The World Health Organisation has declared the COVID-19 crisis is officially over. It's therefore with great hope that I declare COVID-19 over as a global health emergency. However, that does not mean COVID-19 is over as a global health threat. And some corporate leaders, like NAB Chief Executive Ross McEwen, have signalled the days of working from home aren't far behind. 
It's quite simple. He wants people back in the office, bums on seat, to get the job done. Jared Lynch is a reporter with The Australian. He was working from home when we spoke for this episode. Well, Ross McEwen, since in the very early days of the pandemic, has been a big advocate of getting life back into the CBDs. You saw they were absolutely gutted when everyone was working from home. And he wants them to be a thriving, vibrant place that Australian capital city should be. While McEwen's edict only applies to executive general managers and above at this stage, you don't have to look far to understand what's driving it or who might be summoned back to the office next. NAB staff are currently required to work in the office two or three days per week, but the broader workforce is only managing 1.2 days on average. They've also opened a brand new office in Burke Street, Melbourne, and it's absolutely stunning. It's got all the mod cons that you would expect in a modern office. And of course, when you spend a heap of money on some pretty prime real estate in an Australian capital city, you want people to be there to enjoy it. Otherwise, what's the point? He wants people to go in the office, which has been specially designed to promote collaboration and also increase productivity. That said, he's not completely dismissive of hybrid working, particularly for the broader business. So the office has also been designed to accommodate that. It's a trend that's been observed by other businesses that Jared has spoken to. Yes, over in Perth, which similarly, they've got an absolutely stunning office. It's got a creche, uh, subsidised meals, even a GP, you can go to the doctor. And that company's called Mineral Resources. And I don't know if you can recall, but last year they had a, a pretty funny video which starred Julie Bishop, a great daughter of the West, saying, we want you here in the office because this is where we get our best work done. Hey, Julie. What's the blend this week? It's 70% Brazilian and 30% Ethiopian. Sounds great. And 100% Julie. Mineral Resources' Chief Executive, Chris Allison, said, look, if you want to work from home, that's fine, but don't work at Mineral Resources. That's not what we're about. And he said his employees actually appreciate that messaging because it gives them clarity. So it's all about clear messaging. Also, I don't think there's one size fits all. The chief executives I've spoken to, it comes down to the problem that they're trying to solve. So if lifting workplace culture and productivity means coming into the office five days a week or three days a week, then do that. If it means working from home to help lift productivity because presenteeism doesn't always equate to productivity, then that's okay too. So there's two ends of the spectrum there. So it comes down to what problem you're trying to solve what talent you're hoping to attract, and if you can use this potentially as a bargaining chip in what is a pretty tight labour market out there. Concerns about the SNAP transition to hybrid and fully remote working arrangements have been growing for some time. Small businesses set up to service busy CBDs have struggled to bounce back from rolling lockdowns or closed altogether. And many have lamented the so-called death of company culture, implementing complicated roster systems that saw employees summoned back to the office on alternating days or weeks. Well, it's not called a company for nothing. It's called a company because it's a company of people together. And one of the biggest things that we saw that was lost during the COVID pandemic was those incidental water cooler conversations where sometimes gold can happen in corporate businesses. And then all of a sudden you get these dynamic conversations that can actually deliver huge gains for businesses, which are otherwise lost if we're doing what you and I are doing, having a video conference. 
It's clear that certain business leaders are keen to do things face-to-face, but will their employees follow them back to the office? That's after this short break. Hey, I'm Felicity Harley and I host Healthy-ish, where we chat to experts, influencers and people in the know from around the globe to arm you with the knowledge to make healthier decisions for your mind, body and soul. I think if we're going to be focusing on health, like sleep is probably the biggest component oh, of that. I, I think sleep is the cornerstone. Like choose the harder option because I've never woken up and gone, I regret that run that I went at 4am. I've never done that. Search for Healthy-ish and Extra Healthy-ish wherever you get your podcasts. For business leaders, enticing their workforce back to office spaces will be no mean feat. A decent chunk of corporate employees have reported that remote arrangements help them to do their best work. Many have embraced the built-in work-life balance of working from home, spending the time saved on commuting and business travel with family or on long-abandoned hobbies. Plenty have reveled in the simple pleasure of putting on a load of washing while listening to a company-wide update or practising a little self-care in those unprecedented times. So is wrenching them out of a routine established over years really necessary? Companies that have adopted hybrid working in the past three years and are now moving towards a more rigid or mandate office-based work approach, it's a pretty hard egg to unscramble when you've given that flexibility over the past three years and all of a sudden you say, okay, we want you back commuting to the CBD. You're hearing stories of some people who have actually made big lifestyle decisions. They've sold their home close to the CBD or within easy commuting distance and they've moved out into the regions a few hours away. Bottom line is it comes down to the problem that you want to solve and also what works best for your business and your employees. So the key for leaders is they have to listen to their workforce to ensure that they are working at their best and therefore lifting productivity. There's a lot at stake for executives who follow in the footsteps of leaders like Ross McEwen and Chris Ellison. Employees have no shortage of options if they don't want to give up their remote working life, meaning it's possible that businesses with a preference for office-based work could lose or miss out on top talent. It is a risk and employers have been using flexibility, hybrid work as a non-monetary bargaining chip when trying to attract new staff. Interestingly, when I've spoken to Mineral Resources about this, they've said they've noticed an uptick in attracting and retaining staff because of the office experience they've created. So that's the other end of the the spectrum for businesses to think about is if you want people to be in the office to collaborate and do all this fantastic work, you've got to make it worth their while. So whether it's having subsidised meals, whether it's having a gym on site or even a doctor you can visit. So it's about creating a reason to come into the office to bring your best work there. Whatever happens, there's little doubt remote working is here to stay. It just depends on the business and the industry. As I said, some employees have made some pretty big tough life decisions like moving away into the regions. Some employers have equally made some pretty tough decisions and moved premises where they've moved to a different office, reduced the size of their office footprint because they know five days a week they're not going to have their full complement of staff there. So it depends on what works for the business and crucially their employees. 
Jared Lynch is a business reporter with The Australian. The Front will be in Canberra for the release of the federal budget tomorrow night. Subscribers to The Australian get first access to insights and analysis by our journalists at theaustralian.com.au. A troubled young woman. Her evil parents. We never had any issues between us. Has justice been done? I'm in a prison. Join journalist Richard Gilliatt as he delves into one of Australia's most gripping cases. Shadow of Doubt, a new podcast investigation from The Australian. I cannot find one of these allegations that's possible. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts.